What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show. I am joined today by Chris Vernon, and we are entering the final week of the regular season, and we just saw some outstanding games, Chris. A lot of surprising outcomes, a lot of nail biters, a lot of hilariousness ensuing on the football field, and, you know, I think it was a compelling almost end to the season. Uh, What did you make of some of the big picture things that you saw this past week? I got throttled. What do you mean by that, buddy? Badly, Warren. I should have called you. Colts money line. Oh, my goodness. I had Colts teased. I had the money line. I was a Colts believer. And so that ruined. I can't tell you how many things that was paired with, but it was obscene. And and then, of course, the Cowboys money line. I wasn't going to mess around with the spread. I messed around with some teasers and some money lines with them. But those were two just murderous outcomes for me yesterday. Um, now, I was not, oddly, on the one that seemingly everybody had, or at least many gamblers, the Joes as they call them. Um, I saw were the most bets by far. We're attached to the Bucks money line, and they got that done with a sweat, but also the spread. Like over 90% of the bets at virtually every book was on the Bucks to cover the spread against the Jets, and they needed a last second drive or a last minute drive just to just to win outright in that game. And then well, you have a whole nother catastrophe with that game. And that's the Antonio Brown stuff. I mean, and that's all anybody's for. It's like we've lost sight of the fact that they needed a last minute drive to beat the Jets because of the Antonio Brown stuff. Yeah. So backing up, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Colts thing that was that was, as you mentioned, a very, very, very popular teaser leg. And I'm almost, I don't know, ninety percent positive that. Everybody that I saw had the Colts teased. Every person I'm seeing share their plays or share with their betting, everybody's teasing the Colts. Now, we did not. We did not tease the Colts. Um, That was not something that I was interested in doing, primarily because, yes, you get Carson Wentz back, but how do you know he's close to 100%? And that's one of the things that we, over at Chart Football Analysis, I'm tasking a guy, he's creating a spreadsheet, he actually like field views of different teams by position, you know, every everybody on offense. 
who has had COVID and when were they cleared by team? Now, we already have it in a grid format, so you can see it, but I want to know from the starting 11 offense or the starting 11 defense, more importantly, offense, in my opinion, which of these guys have had COVID and when have they been cleared? For two reasons. Number one, how likely is it that this team could experience an outbreak if I want to bet their game on a Monday morning before the playoffs are about to start? You know, and then we're not sure if we want to go early because X player, Y player, the quarterback, their number one wide receiver could get COVID. If they just had it within the last 90 days, they're not going to play, be popping positive. So that's an important thing to not understand. And we're going to be sharing that publicly. I'll have an article up later this week. This is not something that we're doing privately just for us. We're going to share that information, number one. Number two, it's also important to know who is just coming back off of it because we see varying levels of performance when different players are coming back off of COVID. And for Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, it was pretty clear what they were trying to do. They were trying not to pass the ball early in that game. I think Carson Wentz had 10 yards of passing in the first quarter, 10 total. So they were intentionally trying to limit the amount of passing and uh, it obviously did not go very well for them. Uh, the Raiders came to play the Raiders performed extremely well. Um, that was that was a very competitive, close game. But of course, you know the Raiders were able to come back and and win. That shoestring tackle obviously was was a big factor in you know the inability of the Colts to get a second chance to come back at it, which is the exact same thing that happened in the Kansas City game against the Bengals, right? Because there was a chance that if the Bengals had just scored then the Kansas City Chiefs could come back and try to tie the game up or do something. And of course, there was a penalty and then they were able to just take knees and, and kick the field goal. So I mean, not, similar look, situation at the end of both of those games. I get what you're saying about him coming back from COVID and not to be callous, but his most effective play is the underthrown bomb anyway. So what? It's gonna be, if, if he's feeling a little weaker, he's going to underthrow it worse. I mean, this was the battle of the underthrown bomb guys. Carr and Wentz, and I just, I was, look, I don't care about Carson Wentz. This was about Jonathan Taylor. They give him the ball. The guy is, the guys put himself in the MVP race, for God's sakes. That's the way they play. I wasn't counting on Carson Wentz, and more so, you know, early game, West Coast. I had just been really impressed with the Colts. I thought they were, I I, I, I thought it didn't matter, you know, what, what state Carson Wentz was in. I'm not. I'm not betting on Carson Wentz when I'm betting on the Colts. That's not what I'm doing. Well, you know, a lot of these teams. You, you may want. I am, may want to I am riding with the you quarterback. You may want to reevaluate that because every quarterback you've got to now. Carson didn't have a terrible game. He, but he did only throw for 148 yards passing. And then I mean, what's he terrible? What's terrible if 148's not? Oh yeah. Well, well, I'm saying his completion <laughs> percentage over expectation was only was point. 1% better than expected based on where he was throwing the ball. What they tried to do is just take the ball out of his hands. He only had 27 attempts the entire game, even though that they were trailing and the game was close throughout. They were trying just to avoid having to get him to throw the ball, probably because he didn't practice the entire week and they weren't sure what they were going to get out of him. So they tried to just like remove the passing element from the game if possible. And and look, I mean, you know, but for that late comeback from Derek Carr, they they had done a good job. So, yeah. um well, that yeah, was, that, that was sets a up, that sets up very fascinating scenarios because the Titans won that division, you know, and by virtue of their win yesterday. Now the Colts only have to beat the Jags to get in. So it certainly was not a death knell for them. But the Raiders have put themselves in a scenario now where it's a win and in for them coming up this weekend. And, you know, a few weeks ago when they're sitting at six and seven or whatever they were, it certainly seemed like this is this is not in the cards, even when you looked at their schedule. But now they have moved that game. It's going to be a primetime game. And here we are with the Raiders with the chance to make the playoffs. So maybe I was just too low on them in the first place because they've obviously strung together these wins to put themselves in a very advantageous situation. 
Well, I think a lot of us were. Um, I was not betting on the Raiders this week or against them, but I was definitely surprised at the level of production that they've gotten over the last several weeks. And we certainly know that this was a team, you know, I was seeing a lot of, uh, you know, sharper guys looking to fade them as soon as they had all the incidents go on with the team once Gruden left. It's like, okay, you don't have your play caller. You don't have the guy who's going to make the adjustments for the team. The guy who's going to lay out the great offensive skip script to start games. So that was a big, uh, a big factor. You don't have your number one speed burner. Um, he's now in jail. So you don't have the ability to stretch the field as easily. And there's a lot of reasons why this team should have fallen apart. They're playing in Las Vegas. It seems like the guys are just falling off the rails within the team. You don't have your head coach. I mean, credit to them for stringing it together, staying together, and putting themselves in this position where uh, they've got the the premier game of the Week 18 slate, the first ever Week 18 slate. They have the Sunday night football game totally different than last year where it was the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles with Philly having nothing to play for, Washington having everything to play for, Phillies beating them still and asked to bench their guys just so that they can get a better playoff position and a uh, better draft pick next year. And Washington, of course, wins the game late and makes the postseason. Um, here you have a win and in between the Chargers and the Raiders. It's going to be a fun Sunday night game next week. Let's go back to that Bucks game. I said the, the Antonio Brown stuff dwarfed everything that took place within the game. He goes out of the game. Tom Brady leads them back, and they're able to win a game that they were a huge favorite. As I said, a lot of people lost a lot of money on this game, uh, betting against the Jets in this scenario with the way it played out. I mean, before we get to the Antonio Brown stuff, just the football angle of it is, is it real cause for alarm to you that the Bucks needed a last-minute go-ahead touchdown against the Jets? Yes, on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I mean, we're not playing with our full contingent, right? And we knew that going into the game. Mike Evans was severely limited. Um, you obviously don't have Godwin. You're playing without number one running back Leonard Fournette. And you couldn't run the ball whatsoever. I mean, they ran the ball 21 times and gained only 62 yards. That's literally three yards per carry. They could not do anything on the ground. So everything came down to Tom Brady. And what's crazy is Tom Brady's thrown for over 400 yards and you're barely winning a game against the Jets, right? And the reason why, so what was not surprising to me was that their offense struggled, particularly on the ground um, because they didn't have anybody up. But what was mostly surprising to me was what their defense was allowing. I mean, they allowed the Jets to run for 5.8 yards per carry. They allowed Braxton Berrios to just score score touchdowns and, and have a great game. I mean, there's not many weapons for Zach Wilson to throw the football to, and yet they're still allowing these plays to happen. They're allowing these thirds down, third downs uh, to be converted. The Jets are 6 of 11 on third down. I mean, th th this was a horrific performance by the Todd Bowles' defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that's what kept the Jets in the game and forced Tom Brady to have to miraculously come from behind. Um, so the overall result absolutely was surprising to me. This was another game I wasn't involved in uh, for any, any capacity whatsoever from side or total uh, or teaser elements here. But, um, you know, it, it was a game I just kept looking back at the score and watching, you know, uh, on one of the TVs, like out of the side, never really turning up the volume on this one, but just being consistently surprised at what was going on here. And then, of course, you have the whole Antonio Brown thing to boot. Well, and they lost and they, they lost some guys on defense, too. Shaq Barrett wasn't playing. Yep. Jay Spear Paul wasn't playing. I mean, they did have some guys down, but they have just been beat up. And now with the Antonio Brown stuff, um, obviously, we've never really seen anything like this. Um, who was the guy a couple of years ago that left at halftime? Was that yeah, the, that was the guy from the Bills. Uh, yeah, he uh, just he just said, I'm done. The, the DB uh, from the Bills. I forget what yeah, his name is right now. I, I can't remember what the guy's name is. But he like we didn't see that. 
Like we found out after the game. I don't I don't remember a time where we've ever seen a guy quit on the field. Vontae Davis. Vontae, yeah. Yeah, Vontae he, used to, he used to be a Colt. Um, thanks to Mike Wargon for that. They, uh, Vontae Davis, and he just like left at halftime of the game, and then we found out, oh, Vontae Davis isn't playing for them anymore. I, I can't in all my years remember somebody just leaving in the middle of a game just saying, I'm out of here. Well, Much especially less, the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, There's yeah, take it off his shirt. I mean, he yeah. did it. He, he was a performer. There's no way around that. Um, and now, look, they're already down Fournette. They're already down Godwin. Um, we talked about some of their defensive injuries that they have. This is a lot on the plate of uh, Tom Brady to try to do it himself uh, with a group of guys that he's shorthanded with. Like When you are putting together... Like I'm always fascinated when you guys are putting together your models and everything. Like I know that they always say that quarterbacks are the ones that really like move the lines. But when you team this up with knowing that the other guys are out too, does Antonio Brown have a profound effect on the line? Like how do you take that into consideration? Because Okay, it's not a big deal if we're down a receiver line-wise, but what if it's, uh, you know, our other receiver and we're already down Godwin and you're already down yeah. Lenny Fournette? Like, then what? Well, yeah, that's what you call cluster injuries in the business. And cluster injuries are a position group where you're dealing with more than one injury at that position. And there's a compounding effect when you're, dealing with multiple guys at that same position group. And the big thing about Antonio Brown was not that the team absolutely needs him, but it's the faith and the chemistry and the trust that Tom Brady has in him or had. You know, you could tell from the postgame comments, he still loves him, still cares for him, still wants to see good things for him, is concerned about him, um, but he's not on the team anymore. Obviously, that trust has been broken from, you know, being able to depend upon a guy to be where you need him to be for an on-field perspective. But that's what you got out of A.B. for much of the season when he was playing these games is Brady just really, for whatever reason, I mean, Brown was performing well when he was playing with Brady, was at the right spot at the right time, and Brady trusted him and threw him the ball quite frequently. And, you know, that's obviously not there anymore. So, when you now have Godwin who's out as well and Mike Evans wasn't as 100%. Now, you would expect that when Mike Evans does come back and play because obviously the Packers now have clinched the number one seed. I don't know what Tampa Bay has to play for. I know that they could oscillate between the number two and the number three seed and they're more likely, it looks like, from a variety of these different uh, playoff scenario generator things that I'm looking at for them to land in the three seed than the two seed. Um, they're still hosting a playoff game, uh, but, but, you know, we'll have to see what exactly they try to do in terms of going out and aggressively, they're only playing the Carolina Panthers. And if I'm looking at the spread right now, it's like nine, nine and a half points in favor of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the moment. So we've got to look and hear what the coaches are saying and try to get an understanding of how long starters are going to play and all of those different types of things before we project whether or not a team is going to win. But they're in a position where they should, they're playing an opponent that if they tried, they would win this game and then most likely go to the number two seed where they'd be playing the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe is the most likely scenario in a rematch game of, you know, who they played earlier this season where I believe they won 28 to 20. Um, it's definitely a or maybe it was 28 to 22. I can't remember the exact final score. I know the Eagles covered on a late two-point conversion. But it's definitely tough for Tampa Bay. And the biggest differentiator between this year and last year is the simple fact that, yeah, last year what they were 10 and 6, they did a wild card run. They weren't as good to start the season. This year they were a little bit better to start the season, right? And they were playing better football in general. Then they got hit by the injury bug. Last year, they were not hit by the injury bug. This is one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. So as they were 
getting more, better chemistry because it was Brady's first season. And as they were getting everybody on the same page after the bye week to close out the regular season, the last five weeks of the season and heading into the postseason, they were like the healthiest team. So they had the best pass rush. They had the, the best defense. They had, you know, this great receiving core, this offensive line. And now they've got players who have been dinged up at a variety of these different positions. And it's going to be a matter of who they can get back, when they can get these guys back to see if they can go on a similar run. But one thing's for sure, it's not going to be the same healthy team as they were last year, even though their whole goal this past offseason was re-sign everybody, keep the team exactly the same, right? This was going to be the first time that you're going to have a, a team win the Super Bowl, bring back all 22 of the same starters for the next season. Like we've seen injuries now sort of derail that possibility. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, was the most common refrain after that all took place yesterday with Antonio Brown was, what happened? And Jay Glazer did put out uh, in a tweet, just talked to Bruce Arians, who said he was trying to get A.B. to go into game, and A.B. refused, tried again, and Brown refused, and Arians told him to get out. On if he saw A.B. take his jersey off, yeah, I did. Never seen anything like it in all my years. And then Peter King corroborated that. He said he spoke to Arians, who explained that when he asked Brown to go into the game, the receiver said, nope, I'm not going in. And then Ian Rappaport followed it up, and he said he didn't believe he was healthy enough to play amid an ankle injury with which he had been dealing. Nonetheless, Brown's refusal to enter the game left Arians very angry and led to the Bucks' exit. Weird. Yeah, I mean, AB. Look, AB was injured heading into the game. Um, didn't practice this week. Uh, 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 Evans was injured as well. Mike Evans was injured uh, coming back from a hamstring. So both of these guys were going to be playing hurt, but they were going to be needed to rely. Uh, Tom Brady was going to need to rely upon them because he didn't really have as many other options. And who knows? This is just speculation, but. Brady is having to target a lot of other guys who he's not as accustomed to targeting. AB wasn't there practicing all week, trying to work him into the flow of the game. He maybe is not getting the same number of targets. Maybe he thinks he's going to come back because, I mean, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but AB had some definitive performance bonuses by the end of the season. I think he needed one more touchdown and he gets a third of a million dollars. He needed like a hundred receiving yards. I'm just, these numbers aren't exact. 100 receiving yards, he gets a third of a million dollars. He needed like mm. 11 catches, he gets a third of a million dollars. And so there's potentially like, I'm going to come back, I'm going to rehab, I'm going to get back out on the field. I'm not quite 100%, but I'm going to get a bunch of targets. I'm going to have some success. This is a shitty New York Jets team. Um, I don't know what we have to play for next week. So who knows if Brady will be chucking me the ball next week, but I need somebody to, I, I need Brady to be throwing me the ball a lot here. I'm playing against a bad defense and I'm not seeing the targets. I'm not getting the yardage. I'm not getting the uh, heading towards my performance bonus. And then what was it in the third quarter? He just, you know, yeah. just quits. So um, who knows? Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Let's talk about, uh, speaking of uh, targets and yardage, there was no lack of either from Jamar Chase. My God. Um, and Joey Burrow and the Bengals, they win the division. <laughs> They're going to the playoffs. They are the longest shot. They were 25 to one. You could get them at some books to win the division since the 05 Washington team. They went into that season like 35 to one to win the division. And so this is one hell of a story and one hell of a gambling story. If there were the brave Bengals fans that went there and uh, laid some money on them to possibly win the division. Um, you know, given, you know, the Browns and their success last year, and then you've got these other two teams that just historically have been 
great franchises for like the last 20 years, both the Ravens and the Steelers. You know, where do the Bengals kind of fall in this? Well, now they're at the they're at the top after it's all said and done. They clinched the division yesterday. Uh, Burrow's thrown for about 5 billion yards in the last two weeks. And the Bengals are a playoff team uh, with a hell of a win over the Chiefs yesterday. What'd you make of it? Insanity. Uh, it, 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 it hurt. It was the lone, uh, betting loss on a side that I had last, uh, this past week was I took the chiefs here. Um, and there were, there were a variety of ways I was planning on looking to attack this game side team, total overall game total. And actually the way that I ranked it was game total team, total side. And for whatever reason, you know, this is just kind of the 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 betting what what shakes out. I ended up going with the side. It was kind of like the third on the totem pole when I entered today, when Sunday, but that was the way that I ended up going in part because I'm seeing the money come in on the Bengals and I'm seeing the line tick down and giving me a better opportunity to have it's costing me less and less money to go ahead and bet the Kansas City Chiefs and laying the points because the public and other people were coming in thinking that Joe Burrow and the Bengals were going to have a good game here. And so I moved away from the total. I moved away from the team total and went with the Kansas City Chiefs side. Obviously, a lot of what I expected to happen did happen here. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs offense played really well. The Kansas City Chiefs offense moved the ball really easily. The Kansas City Chiefs offense, they were up 21 to 7, 28 to 14. I mean, they were up by two touchdowns for a lot of this game. But what ended up happening, of course, which was fun for everybody to see, but not if you bet on the Chiefs, was I got this bad sense, even though it was a two touchdown lead. I think it was like 28 to 14. It's like the Chiefs need to keep scoring here because nobody can cover Jamar Chase. No, no, nobody on the Chiefs can stop this guy. And it was one of those, it was like Michael Jordan in the zone type game where, and you heard the post-game comments, Joe Burrow was just like, you've all seen the meme, fuck it, Jamar Chase down there somewhere. And I'm just chucking up the ball and I'm trusting that he's going to come down with it. And that's what Mahomes can do sometimes with Tyreek Hill, particularly in, in years past. And that's what Joe Burrow feels like he can do right now with Jamar T- Chase. And the angles taken by Sorensen were atrocious. And I have no idea how the Kansas City Chiefs and Steve Spagnolo don't come up with a game plan and adjustment, something to do differently to minimize what Jamar Chase, he's, he's utterly destroying you. What was it? Third, was it third and 27 or something? Uh, and they've got single coverage on the guy? And it's like... I, I've, I've no, I, I, that, that, that you, is you forced un- inexplicable. You would have forced a punt, and instead they now have the ball inside what, like the ten or twelve or twenty yard line, something, like, and they all obviously you score have a touchdown. To do is keep everything in front of you. That's it. it, it that I was no bizarre. idea. That was I have bizarre. no idea what. Well, like Steve you were saying, was doing. you were saying it's like Michael Jordan. Well, guess what you do with Michael Jordan, uh, Warren? You run two guys at him. Yeah. If, yep. he's, <laughs> if he's scoring every time, you make him pass. The fact that, like, how many of those highlights do you see Jamar Chase with one guy guarding him? Like, the whole game. It's bananas. It was it was incredible. And, of course, Joe Burrow, 446 passing yards, four touchdowns. What was really crazy is his aggressiveness. His And this was what the fuck it, he's down there somewhere, comes from. 25.6% of his passes were tight window throws, which was third highest in the league. The other two guys who were throwing into tight windows were Sam Darnold and Andy Dalton. And both of those guys were throwing interceptions, two interceptions combined, only one touchdown combined, less than 175 yards passing for each of those guys. They were just, their receivers weren't getting open and they were just bad, you know, forcing the ball. They weren't reading for the open guy. They both had negative completion percentage over expectation. With Joe Burrow, This dude has four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's throwing the ball into tight windows because he's just feeding Jamar Chase. There's a guy on him, one guy, like you said, he's he's there, but he's just throwing the ball and Chase keeps, 
where Burrow is putting the ball is like sideline or my guy, right? Like no, it's either going to go out of bounds or my guy is going to catch it. There's he's putting the ball, fitting the ball in these locations, and you know, just he kept coming down with them left and right all over the place. It was an amazing game to watch, even though I lost one of my bets, but it was a lot of fun to watch that performance. And a little validation for them taking Chase where they did in the draft. Yeah. Because they got a lot of criticism for that. But you see with the way the NFL's played now, they just played one of the best teams in the league. um, And he was the difference. He was the difference. Now, in fairness... What they will also, the, those that criticize said, look, you got to get somebody to block for this guy. And I suppose those people could stand up and say, yeah, it was an amazing Jamar Chase game. And Joe Burrow went limping out of the game yesterday. We don't really know. I assume he'll be fine. But I think he's fine. Yeah, he still I saw the takes it. He still does. I mean, when he gets cracked, he gets cracked. It's well, a, a lot of it, times. A, yeah, a lot of it was that like late game stuff down near the end zone, which you know they just they just continued to try to uh, score a touchdown um, and and sneak it over and over and over, and yeah, it it was some interesting play calling by Zach Taylor down there at the end of that game. Interesting. Yeah, let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, if they wouldn't have gotten that first down, I don't know what I would have bet that they were On not the going to get that touchdown. Oh God. I mean, I, I, feel, it, I truly, I truly feel like at that point in time, what Zach Taylor is thinking is this: a field goal and giving Mahomes over a minute on the game clock or around a minute of, of the game clock. We're expecting because this is the thing. You know what? You know what's sad about the way that teams play defense and just in general, first end of the first half. As a, as a better, right? We're watching. We watch these scenarios all the time because so much time. of it impacts the spread, the side, the total. So end of scenarios in the first half, end of scenarios at the end of games. You know what's sad about just the way guys call defense, the way defense coordinators operate, is that we basically are accustomed and conditioned to expect that if a team has the ball with a minute or a minute and a half, they're at least getting a field goal, right? They're at yes. least getting into field goal range. It's inevitable that they're going to score. Why? They got all four downs and you're pl- playing this shitty prevent defense. And so it's basically like bank on it. The majority of the time, somebody is scoring here. And so that's why it's it's sick. But like when you know, this you're is watching- Aaron Ro- This is Aaron Rodgers' career. Yeah, well, I just don't understand why defensive coordinators play the way they do time in and time out, especially at the end of the first half. The the number of times that a defensive that a defensive coordinator forces a team, and maybe maybe the shittiest teams, right? But forces a team that has the ball with less than two minutes left in the first half to actually punt that football as opposed to getting into getting into scoring range, field goal range, something like that. It, it's it's absurd um, compared to the rest of the games. And it's all because of the way that they choose to play their defense. So I think Zach Taylor felt like they're, they're going to at least get a field goal here if we give them the ball, even if we score a field goal. And then we'll be in the same spot that we are right now where we're tied. And uh, so I'm just going to go for it here, keep chewing up as much of the clock as I possibly can and score a touchdown and know that if, they do somehow get the ball back. There's less time for them to work, and now they have to get a touchdown to match us. And so it ended up working out for him in large part thanks to that uh, hands to the face that they called in the end zone there to give him the first down, of course. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and let me ask you about them uh, because, you know, while the Cowboys did not impress anybody, while the Rams had a real chance of losing their game while the Bucks uh needed a last minute drive to beat the Jets. The you know the the Packers are the only one that's really like kept rolling. And they have won, you know, their last loss was that three point loss to Minnesota and that was November 21st. Um they have not lost a game since that. Um and that includes wins, you know, they beat the Rams Chicago, don't make much of that. They they got the one one point win at Baltimore, two point win against Cleveland, and then last night throttled Minnesota uh, in their game. Do you think the Packers should be 
the prohibitive favorite simply because they're the ones that have kept on rolling and these other teams have given us so many reasons to question them? Or I don't know, what, like in terms of what, what your numbers have, uh, where are the Packers as compared to their peers? Yeah, look, if you want to go back that week one game, the complete anomaly where they lost 38 to three against Jameis Winston and the Saints, um, that was like the game where we were like, okay, uh, Aaron Rodgers' final ride here. What, what, what are we going to get out of this team this year? The rest of the games that they played against the best competition, because everybody in the league, I, I think it's one thing to analyze. We've got to do a good job as we're heading into the postseason. Strength of schedule, strength of schedule, strength of schedule. Who have you played recently? What's your trending performance? How are you doing of late? So that we know because injuries happen, it's an 18-game season, 18-week um, season rather, 17 regular season games. When was your last bye? Who are you playing? I mean, the, the, the Packers have definite edges there, right? They had one of the last buys of any team in the NFL, week 13. Now they get a first-round buy into the postseason. So these things matter big time, especially when you look at some of the opponents that they're going to be going up against in the postseason who may have had a buy much earlier in the season. Then, of course, don't get a first-round buy. But when you look at what this team has had to do when they've been tested against the premier competition, they go to San Francisco, they win that game. That was against... You know, I'm looking at the top 10 opponents in terms of total efficiency that they played this year. They've played four of them. They beat the 49ers in uh, San Francisco. They beat the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona while playing without Devontae Adams in a game that, you know, COVID obviously ravaged the team. And we thought this team was going to really struggle in that spot. They lose to the Kansas City Chiefs the very next week in Kansas City. And then they come back and they beat the LA Rams at home uh, week 12 right before their bye. So against top 10 teams, in terms of total efficiency, they are three and one. So this is a team that, yeah, they haven't played a lot of these top 10 yeah, teams. It's just, it's just really hard to figure it out, right, though, Warren? Because, I mean, like you look at, I want to say, well, yeah, well, look, they're so hot that since they since they lost that game, or, you know, that Rams game and then they had the bye. These last four that they played, I mean, they played Justin Fields, Tyler Huntley, Baker Mayfield, and Sean Mannion. So <laughs> it has been a while. Like, I mean, those guys probably aren't beating them. And one of those was a one-point win, and one of them's a two-point win. There's no doubt. And look, the game, the game that they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, that was Jordan Love. That was without Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're 3-0 and with Aaron Rodgers against top 10 teams. They're finding ways to win these games. Um, close is okay in the regular season, right? Close is okay in the postseason. Yep. Just win, baby, right? Like, so we need to figure out how this defense is going to be performing. You're absolutely right. I mean, 30 points allowed to the Bears, 30 points allowed to the Ravens, 22 to the Browns after the Browns were playing with, you know, their most of their offensive line was completely ravaged by a COVID. That game was... Uh, a very difficult game for the Browns because the Browns had just played on Tuesday due to the fact that their COVID was so bad that the NFL felt sorry that they needed to give them a couple extra days to get some guys back. And then most of those guys still didn't come back. So it was pointless. P point of note, it was pointless for the league to like move those games around, uh, push some of them back because those guys weren't really getting the key players that they needed back. But at any rate, they pushed the game back and then that forced the Cleveland Browns to play on a very short week from Tuesday to Saturday because this game was on Christmas um, and they still put up 22 points. Yeah, the Cleveland Brown, uh, sorry, the Green Bay Packers defense is a weak point for that team. And, and their offensive line is a weak point. And that's the great part about this season is that, you know, this is not like years past where you have the 16-0 New England Patriots that look unbeatable. Of course, they still don't win at all. But you don't have these teams that are like, well, this team has no holes. They've, they're a perfect team. They're playing perfect and they've got no issues whatsoever with their roster. Every single team has its warts right now. Every single team has a chink in the armor that could be exposed in the right situation. So well, but you ask they, me, should this team, yeah. should they be like the, the number one seed? Should they be looked at as like the best due to the way that they're playing, due to the fact they've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and he's playing great, due to 
The guys that they've got up at receiver, and they might be getting Randall Cobb back momentarily as well, uh, due to the fact that they've got home field, they just had a bye not long ago, plus they've got the bye for the postseason. Yes, the answer is a definitive yes. Does that mean that they'll win their playoff games with ease? No. And that's why it's going to be so fun to watch this postseason unfold. I can't wait for it. Well, and while they have more questions, they have less than the others, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the Bucs and what happened with them, because of the Rams needing, uh, you know, really the come from behind win uh, yesterday where they didn't look so great. Um, and then the Cowboys. Warren, uh, you know, I wanted... Talk to me. This I is wanted a safe to, space, Chris. Nobody I, else is listening. I Give wanted me your him, honest opinion. I wanted them to win against like a good team, like a team with the, like a real record, even though the Cardinals have been vomiting all over themselves for a month. This was the opportunity for them to get a win against a team that's got double-digit wins, and they couldn't do it, and Dak looked like crap. I don't care what his stats were. I don't care. He is not something is I don't know if it's an injury, you know, and then with him looking so bad and then they don't run the ball at all. I think he ran it like five times. Of course, you know, I loved it. They got a holding call on the one. He fumbled on another one, but they don't. I think they had like 17 attempts. I mean, they got Ezekiel Elliott. They pay him a hundred billion dollars. They got Tony Pollard, who's like a shoestring tackle away from an 80-yard run damn near every time he touches the ball, it feels like. And, like, their most explosive play was a friggin' Cedric Wilson pass. You know, I just, I don't know, man. I The defense is so much better, and they are a bitch to deal with. Because at any moment, Gregory or Parsons or Galloway, like, these guys can, they could kill another quarterback, for sure. Um, and it was, it's a low enough total to figure that that offense is going to be able to put up numbers uh, more so than them. They they needed a timeout at the end of the game. They didn't have a timeout because Cliffs Kingsbury put McCarthy in a mental casket <laughs> and, and, and made him use one, oh, you know? And of I course, wish we hadn't called that. I wish we didn't forecast the fact that I mean, you got two idiot coaches going uh, up against each other. And we said on the last show that we recorded for the week that – these guys going up against each other, hilarity is going to ensue. Somebody's going to be making mistakes because these are some of the worst strategic situational coaches in the NFL. What would have been funny, it, I, I was waiting for them to say, uh, actually, uh, uh, Kyler Murray and the kicker weren't supposed to be out there at the same time. That they had <laughs> screwed it up, too. So you have two, yeah. bozo, two bozos trying to figure out what kind of defense. Are we in field goal block or are we in two points? conversion uh you know land I, I just I don't know man I I am not I was not feeling good after that one yesterday at all at all I really wasn't and and it's probably the team they're gonna play again too and I I am so friggin tired I saw you tweeted out I didn't bust you up I'm so tired of hearing about friggin Kyler Murray's record in AT&T Stadium I know you gotta I just, be. It drives me insane well, let me tell let me tell you this. I, I I mean, you know. And by the way, can I just say one other thing? How in the f is he five foot one and he gets nothing batted down? And Dak is a huge individual, and every other pass is getting slapped back in his face. I don't understand. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, let me just tell you this: two 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 points. One is just kind of a, a ribbing you point, but. The next one is actually realistic. Uh, how does it feel, though, to get beat by Zach Ertz yet again? I mean, Zach Ertz oh, leads God. the air. <laughs> Zach Ertz led the Arizona Cardinals in catches yesterday, um, and uh, and from from the Eagles to the oh, I didn't uh, even know the I didn't even know the other guy, the guy that caught the two touchdowns. I'm like, who the hell is that? We got Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, loaded with weapons, and I'm watching that. I didn't even know him. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I very rarely You're talking about I, Wesley. Yes. Yeah. Two and touchdowns. Yeah. And by the way, he's huge. He's huge. 
Plus, plus, well, I mean, you had to be dying when you saw the helmet catch on the fake pun. Oh my god! Oh was, my that god! That was insane. I'm like, was- I'm, like, I'm like, oh, that don't get me started with the special teams. Every other week, they talk like Jim Fossil's son is the is God's gift to special teams, and there's some kind of effed up play that happens every week, every week. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, if you know your special team's coach's name, it's a problem. I view it like the same way as referees, right? Like, I don't even need to know this guy's name. What does it matter? But every time they do anything, the least bit, fine. He, you know, they're like, oh, you know, so, so fossil, you know, just a special teams genius. And then every time they F something up. They never even mentioned who the special teams coach is. It's crazy. The guy's got the best job in the world. It's like a problem with your car, the catalytic converter, something like that. Like you, you don't want to know what the parts are inside underneath the hood. If your car works, it works. You never even think about it. Then all of a sudden, the more you start hearing about your fucking catalytic converter, <laughs> the more you know something's messed right. up and I got to deal with it. When you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, the one interesting element here, and we'll see as it goes through the playoffs, and I have no idea what either of these teams are going to be doing from like a motivational standpoint on the game Saturday night. It's interesting that the NFL flexed this game to Saturday night, Dallas Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles. But when I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys, I just got to tell you this. I know their defense has been like what's carrying the team, even though it doesn't seem like it should need to because the offense should be good enough. But I'm looking at the teams that the Cowboys have played that actually can run the football. And I'm seeing nothing but bottom 10 rushing offenses that they have played since Thanksgiving. The Raiders, bottom 10. Then they played the Saints, bottom 10, uh, without Alvin Kamara. They play Washington twice. They play the Giants. And they play the Cardinals last week, who's bottom 10 and doesn't have James Conner in the game. So. That's six straight opponents that are bottom 10 against the run. Uh, Sorry, bottom 10 rushing offenses that this Cowboys defense has played. You also go back all the way to the bye week before after since the bye week, which was week seven. They played the Minnesota Vikings, who is a bottom 10 rushing offense. And they played the Atlanta Falcons, who is a bottom 10 rushing offense. And they won both of those games. The only three times that they have, sorry, the only two times that they've played any rushing attack that ranked better than bottom 10 since week seven's bye, they lost to. They lost to the Dallas, they lost to the Denver Broncos in week nine. They ranked number 11 and they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in week 11 and they ranked number 15. So, I mean, I don't know what the Eagles are going to try to do here. Obviously, they're a top five rushing offense. I don't know if they're going to be playing. I don't know if they're going to rest their guys. Uh, but you know, Wait, it's going to be something to monitor as the they Cowboys. Played the Eagles. They beat the shit out of the Eagles. Yeah, that that was week three, Chris. Uh. That was week three. I'm going back since, since their bye week, week seven. In week three, the Eagles were this... Pass first, pass always team. If you remember the way that they started the season, they go down to Atlanta, they put up a ton of points against the uh, Atlanta Falcons week one. This is a team that was doing nothing but pass the ball. They led the NFL, I want to say, through the first four or five weeks in pass rate. And all of a sudden, they flipped on their head and became this run first, run heavy attack with a great offensive line and all these different running backs that they could rely on, plus Jalen Hurts running the football. So they absolutely smacked the shit out of the Eagles when they played them back in week three. Again, that's the worry, though. Who knows what is a lot like, you know, Murray in, in the sense that you get them in third and 10 and they just go and run for it. Yeah, no, I, exactly. They can do that. And that's why, I mean, they mentioned it last night's broadcast, the future of the NFL is is a lot of these quarterbacks that if they need to, they can run run for the first down, right? They're not like solely pocket guys any longer. It's less important for week 18. It's less important for this game Saturday night. Again, questionable motivation here for both sides. I don't know what either team has to win here. They're both locked in the postseason. So maybe they're playing for nothing. I don't know why the NFL put this game here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one of these teams or both will think that they have something to gain here. Personally, without an extra bye week, I'm resting my guys, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, if I got nothing to play for, I'm trying to get healthy for a game that really matters. I don't give a shit about trying to beat my rival. That being said, what this point of fact is mostly useful for is the postseason. Yep. You know, who knows who Dallas is going to play, but if that team has a good rushing attack, 
something to think about considering who Dallas has played. Of yeah, late. I know you guys are going to be getting into it a lot more later in the week, but after yep. you know, we we're trying to figure out motivation of these teams, we do know these for certain, and these are the easiest to understand. In the playoff scenarios, you've got the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. They're all in. Okay, so there's two more. Uh, you got a couple more spots here, um, and the Colts really just have to beat the Jaguars, and they're in. And then you've got that Raiders Chargers game. Whoever wins that, they're going to be in. Um, and then in the NFC, there's really there's only one berth available. The Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, and Cardinals are all in. So that one spot, you know, the easiest scenario is the 49ers have the Rams. And they have owned the Rams. If they beat the Rams, they're gonna get in. But if they lose yeah, yeah. somehow to the Rams, and they might with Trey Lance, who knows? You know, they needed they needed a fourth quarter uh surge to beat the damn Texans yesterday. The Saints have a game with the Falcons, and this is the craziest. I couldn't believe this. I was reading this morning. So if the 49ers lose to the Rams and the Saints beat the Falcons, the Saints are gonna yeah. be in the damn playoffs. Figure <laughs> that out. Unbelievable. I I I I was I was past the Saints. I didn't I didn't think that they had any chance. Yeah, it's definitely a surprising notion to consider that the Saints would make the playoffs. And I'll be honest with you. I hear so, coach of the year this year is very challenging. But I did say, and I think I stick to it. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say that LaFleur isn't deserving of it with what he's done with that team and you know, dealing without Aaron Rodgers for a week and some of his other guys. Everybody's dealing with injuries and whatnot. And there's been impressive coaching performances from a variety of guys this year. Surprising teams that have been playing above their heads and that sort of thing. Vrabel done a great job at Tennessee, for sure. Vrabel's Vra- Vra- done a great job. Obviously, I don't think it should be Zach Taylor, but the Bengals obviously have surprised and impressed. But I'll just say this. If the Saints make the playoffs after Drew Brees with that motley crew of quarterbacks in a quarterback driven league how can you how does it not speak towards oh, Sean Payton I know and I said I said before the year if the Saints make the playoffs Sean Payton should win the coach of the year because there's no way that the, this quarterback room that he's got is like people trust it people would think that this team could make the playoffs with these quarterbacks and the fact that he's literally had to work through all of them right like he didn't just land on Jameis Winston, stick with Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston's, you know, he rode that horse to the playoffs. He's been having to rotate all sorts of guys in here at the quarterback position. Yeah. So, well, pretty amazing. Let me tell you who's not going to win coach of the year, Mike McCarthy, Warren. <laughs> he's, oh, he's yeah. not winning. Uh, last thing, excited for the uh, Roethlisberger swan song. Now, now, this is crazy, by the way. I read this this morning. If they... The Steelers would need a Colts loss, which would be an insane loss, right, if they lost to Jacksonville. But let's just say, we've seen insane happen. You remember Fitzpatrick uh, ruined a season a couple of years ago with the Dolphins? Like, it, it has happened. Some odd outcome at the end of the year. The Steelers, if they won this game tonight and then they beat the Ravens, if the Colts lost to Jacksonville the Steelers would get in the damn playoffs. <laughs> no, they, they've got something to play for. I can't believe that the Browns have now have nothing to play for. I know. Um, so that's because to start Sunday, this was a team that had a possibility that if they won this game, that they would win their division, right? They would win the AFC. They, they had to, they had to have some things happen week 18 as well, but they were in position where they might actually win the AFC North and they are now out of the playoffs, like with just without even having played a game. So it's crazy. And that's where we have to wonder what their motivation is. Of course, the betting market surely believes that they aren't going to be quite as motivated because this was a team on Sunday morning that was laying between three and three and a half points on the road in Pittsburgh for this Monday night game. After the Sunday results have happened and after this morning's wave of betting action has ensued, obviously last night's as well, now the Pittsburgh Steelers are the ones that are favored by between two and a half to three points at home. The Cleveland Browns, almost a full six-point 
line swing just based on those results from laying three to catching three. And, you know, even in some spots, they were three and a half uh, yesterday. So massive swing towards the Pittsburgh Steelers here. And it's interesting. I mean, I'm going to have to see. That feels like a trap to me. I'm going to have to see what, what ends up happening with regard to who's up and who's out for the Cleveland Browns. But let me just share this. Okay. The Cleveland Browns, I just mentioned before, they were smacked with COVID badly. And they played on a Tuesday. And then they had to go to Green Bay on a Saturday and play in the frozen tundra Lamb- Lambeau Field. And if they don't throw four interceptions, if Baker Mayfield doesn't implode on Christmas, this is a team that beats the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, right? Like they only lost that game by two points and Baker threw four interceptions multiple times in Green Bay territory in Green Bay territory as they're driving to score some points here. Um, Cleveland was, I believe, seven of twelve on third down, one of one on fourth down. They settled for a field goal at the Packers' nineteen. Uh, Baker in the first quarter of the game throws an interception at the Packers' twenty-four yard line on the third drive of the game. They only punted one time the entire game. This was an offense that also was playing with out its offensive line, except for one guy in position to start the season. Here's your five guys. Here's where you're going to be. Only one of those guys was playing in his same position in that game in Green Bay. Now they're going to have four guys playing where they're supposed to play uh, back up for this game because they they got back their left tackle. They're getting back their center. I mean, this is all guys that are now cleared off of the COVID list. Again, I have no idea. You would have assumed that all of these guys would have played tonight. I don't know yet. Like, I'm assuming they are going to play. But at any rate, from the left tackle all the way through to the right guard, you're going to have four guys there for the Cleveland Browns. The strength of their offense was that offensive line that are playing where they were supposed to be playing. They only had one last go-round last week. Um This is a team that I think is going to be very fascinating, Chris, to watch the first quarter of this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers' first quarter offense ranks dead last in the NFL on early downs. Dead last. Only the Giants have scored fewer points in the first half than the Pittsburgh Steelers have this season. Passes are terrible in the first half. Runs are terrible in the first half. I'm talking about uh, at the beginning of these games. And now they're going up against the fourth best offense in the NFL in the first quarter of the Cleveland Browns, who average plus 0.13 EPA per play. Only the Chiefs are better in that regard. And that's despite them playing pretty banged up a lot of the time. This is a team in the Cleveland Browns. Remember that game in the playoffs last year where they were without Kevin Stefanski and they go into Pittsburgh and they come out with a great game script and they put up a bunch of points early in the game. Of course, Ben Roethlisberger, the uh, snap over his head and all the other craziness that ensued for that game. But this offense plays really well early in games. It's going to be fascinating to see Yes, their motivation might be not the same as it was before, but can they come out with this same level of aggression and efficiency early in this game because the Steelers are horrible and are almost always trailing. And I don't know what's going on. The other thing to watch is like the Steelers offense in general. I'm thinking now Miami didn't have a good game last week, but Miami has a terrible offensive line. They got a quarterback who you and I think is a little bit underrated, but he's still not the best, right? And They do enough offensively, though, to scheme things up, to create offense. All these creative play calls, all these nice designs, get the ball to our studs with space in front of them, figure out ways to actually be productive offensively. Again, yesterday aside, um, Matt Cannon and the Pittsburgh Steelers don't do any of this. Like This offense is called terribly. They throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage too frequently. Like, yeah, Ben has limitations with his passing game. Fine. Use your creativity to design something that does something more than what the defense is expecting and that what you've put on tape weeks in and weeks out. I don't know what we're going to get out of both of these sides here, but I will tell you this, um, based upon my model and based upon what I anticipated from the Browns offensively, I thought 41 points was too low here. And I went over 41 earlier in the week, and it's up to 43 right now. Now, there are some spots that still have 42 and a half. 
Now you really got to look at like, what's the motivation of the Browns? Are they going to play all their defensive guys? Are they going to play all their offensive guys? I don't know. So it's hard to advocate a bet at this moment because I expected they would be trying to win a, a game that's going towards elimination, basically. This is an elimination game for the Steelers. I think they'll care because it's a division game. I think it's, if it weren't the Steelers, I would worry about that more. I think I, they're going to want to win right. a division game. Yeah. I think that's a big, I think that's a big feather in your cap. You know what I mean? If you if you win that game, and the other thing is, nobody wants to end the season with a losing record. You know what I mean? At, at where you end up with a five hundred record? It wasn't. He had a lot of challenges. wasn't a great season, but. You know, Plus his prime I, I time think, in think, front of a nationwide audience. Think, yeah, they're not. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not I, 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 I hope not too. So that's my uh, betting angle for this game. Is I t- I took the over at 41, and I'm obviously going to be right. pulling for that. Well, we're going to have all manner of scenarios that are going to be playing out this upcoming weekend. I know you're going to be going through it with Solak and House the rest of the week. I'll be listening. Thanks, Warren. Thanks, Chris. That'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back Wednesday this week. We will be doing a cheat code podcast with Ben Solak, deep diving all the coming action for week 18 and previewing the postseason as well. Thanks to Chris Vernon for joining me. Thanks to Mike Wargon and Craig Holbeck for producing the show. We will see you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>